Welcome to the Flourish Heights podcast, made for women by women. I'm your host, Valerie Adjamine, women's health dietitian and the founder of Flourish Heights. To be empowered in health starts with a true connection with your body. Together, we are breaking through topics surrounding periods, women's nutrition, body awareness, self-care, and much more. Let's flourish and be the best version of ourselves. Welcome back to another episode. So this is for my ladies who experience migraines and headaches and everything else in between. They are literally the worst, the worst. And if you're like me, sometimes it takes you out even for a couple days. It ruins every part of your day. You just want to be cozied up in a bed somewhere with the lights off and an ice pack on your head. No sounds, no movement, just there. (laughs) And it's really not fun. You are not alone if you are a migraine sufferer. About 28 million women in the U.S. can relate. And lucky for us, we are three to four times more likely than men to get them. Yay. (laughs) So today I am in conversation with a New York City-based neurologist. That's right, a neurologist, Dr. Huma Sheik, who is a vascular neurology specialist with over 15 years of experience in the medical field. What I love about her is that she has a holistic approach to managing headaches and migraines. She's the first neurologist I've ever met, and you might have even seen her on your TV screen sharing the latest in headache and migraine news. A few days ago, we asked our Instagram followers at Flourish Heights, do you get migraines? And about 80% of people said yes. That was a lot of you because we had over 200 and something people take the poll. So that was very shocking, but not really at the same time. So today, Dr. Sheik is here to answer all your questions and put you in the right direction of how to better manage your migraines so you can live your best life possible. Let's get into the episode. Hey, Dr. Sheik, welcome to the Flourish Heights podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Well, I'm so happy you are here because I know you and I connected, I believe it was probably one or two years ago, um, and you came to one of our Instagram live girl chats. Um, We had such a great conversation about migraines and headaches and It's just something that a lot of people still don't know about. We get questions from time to time. And so I'm just really grateful that you took the time out to still join us again to have this conversation. So thank you. You're welcome. No, I'm super excited to be here and talk about it. It's something that you're right. A lot of people still have a lot of questions about. So it's great that you're doing this and spreading education. It's great. I'm excited to be a part of it. Yeah, well, thank you. And so you're a neurologist. Tell our listeners like, you know, who you are, what you do, what kind of work you do as a neurologist. Sure. Yeah. So I am a board certified neurologist in New York City. I did my neurology residency from Montefiore Medical Center in the Bronx. And then afterwards, I did two fellowships. I did first a fellowship in stroke at the same place. And then I went to Boston at Brigham and Women's University to do another fellowship for a year in headache and facial medicine. So, and then afterwards, I have been mainly treating patients with headache. And under that, migraine is the biggest component. I would say now in my private practice in New York City, I see migraine um, 98, maybe somewhere between 90 and 98% of my patients. So migraine is the most common type of primary headache disorder, what we call it. Um, and it, there's, it, there's a lot of patients who are underdiagnosed and misdiagnosed. So I see a lot of headache and I see a lot of migraine. 
Yes. And speaking of both headaches and migraines, I feel like people kind of use it interchangeably. Like they think it's the same thing. And I was reading, um, something recently, it was like the stat, the statistic about like how it affects about 28 million women, which is like so, that's so much. And I'm one of them. Oh, <laughs> um, and me so too. Both you, of us. Are, you are too, as a <laughs> yeah. neurologist. Yeah. Well, that is insane. Yeah. So tell us, because I mean, I hear people say, oh, like I have a headache. Um, and then they find out, oh, it was like actually a migraine that they were dealing with or vice versa. So tell us, the difference between the two, like break it down for us. Sure. Yeah. And I think this is one of the biggest misconceptions and the biggest confusion that people have between, is it a migraine? Is it a headache? What's the difference? And essentially you want to think of migraine as an actual disease. So it's the Mm. name of a disease and headache is one of the symptoms that you can have if you have migraine, right? So, but a headache is a symptom. It's a sign of another issue. And you can have it with many different diseases. You can have a headache if you're dehydrated, if you have the flu, um, especially now in the last two years with COVID, headache is a huge uh, symptom, a big symptom of COVID. So headache Mm -hmm. is... um, very non-specific. It's a general sign of something else going on in your body. Whereas migraine is an actual disease that you have and headache is one of the symptoms, but in migraine and actually to diagnose migraine, you have to have headache, but you also have to have at least two other symptoms. And, you know, so we have certain criteria that we look at when we diagnose somebody with migraine and along with headache, you have to have at least nausea, vomiting, or sensitivity to light and sound to make the diagnosis of migraine. Um, But you know, women with migraine can have headache that's very severe, disabling. Many of them describe it as throbbing and on one side of their head, but you can have so many other symptoms. You can have trouble speaking. You can have um, neurological symptoms like seeing colors or lights in front of your vision, um, numbness or tingling on one side of your body. Um, you know, dizziness, vertigo. So there's so many symptoms that go with migraine and headache is the one that we associate the most with it because for a lot of women, it's the most severe and disabling, but headache is not migraine. You can certainly have headaches and migraine, but they're not the same thing. And so I think that's one of the reasons that it's so important to make that distinction because if you are having headaches, you know, one of the reasons you want to see a doctor is to make sure that it is a migraine or something else. You know, there's going to be, there's going to be different ways to treat based on what we think the underlying issue is when you're having a headache. Now you met, you mentioned that, you know, it's either like, so there's like, um, a, you know, there's symptoms that come along with having those migraines. Yes. Um, so, how long does a migraine typically last? Is there like some kind of criteria around that? Yeah, for sure. So a typical migraine will last somewhere between four to 72 hours. And so there are other types of headaches that last much shorter. And so we specifically ask patients, you know, if you um, start to get a headache and you don't treat it with, you know, either Tylenol or Motrin or some other way, how long does it typically last for? And many women will find that it either lasts all day or can even go into the next day. Yeah. So the timing of the headache in migraine is a important um, distinction to make in diagnosing migraine. That's a really great point. 
Yeah. Now you said 72 hours. So what if it's longer? Is that when it's like, uh, there might be something else going on apart from a migraine or, I mean, it could be po- a possibility or. Yeah. So four to 72 hours is the most typical. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some women that have something called status migranosis. So if it starts wow. to last, if it starts to last more than three days, which is 72 hours, then it can become much harder to treat that migraine. Um, typically the, you know, women will, or patients that have migraine lasting more than three days, especially if they've tried to take medications at home and the medications are not working, mm-hmm. will go to the ER or an urgent care to get IV medications. So if they become much more severe, um, they can last for more than three days, but you're right. If it's the first time that you've ever had a migraine that is lasting that long, it is important to find, um, you know, a, 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 a practitioner or a doctor and mm-hmm. try to sort out, is this still my migraine or is something else going on? So, because they sometimes can last that long, but you also do want to make sure that there's nothing else that's causing you to feel like you have a migraine, but it's something else. So if somebody goes to their like primary care doctor or, you know, they just go to a specialist, what are some tests and things that can be done to identify like if, you know, like I like what's going on? Is it like an MRI? Like what are some things that are done? Yeah. So the most important thing is history in, in headache, the history, the type of headaches that you're having, the character, where they are in your head, other symptoms that you're having with it. Mm -hmm. Um, those are the most important things that will alert your doctor, whether this is a migraine or this is a condition that is associated with headache, but is something else that needs to be worked up. And we make the distinction of migraine versus other causes um, through uh, what we call um, secondary versus primary headache. So a primary headache disorder is a disorder where a headache is part of the disease, right? So migraine is a condition in and of itself and headache is part of that disorder. In a secondary headache, um, in a secondary headache, the headache is part of another disorder. So for example, if you are someone that never had headaches and went to your doctor and said, I'm having the worst headache of my life um, and I'm also feeling numb on one side of my body, you know, that's going to alert your doctor that something else is going on. Um, You know, this could be a stroke. It could be a tumor. Mm. It could be something else that's giving you a headache um, and other neurological diseases. So actually, when we try to make the distinction between a primary and a secondary headache disorder, we look for red flags, things that would alert us that this might not just be a migraine or a tension headache. And um, one thing that I mentioned are other neurological signs and symptoms. Um, Other things are systemic symptoms. So if you're having a headache, but you're also having fevers or weight loss or not able to eat um, something called anorexia, then that also alerts you that, you know, something else could be going on. Could this be a meningitis or something, you know, another issue that you're also having headaches. Um, The other part of SNOOP, that's a mnemonic. And the O stands for older onset. If you're someone who's never had headaches and now you're developing headaches when you're older, typically over the age of 50, you want to make sure that, you know, you've ruled out other things. Um, And then the P stands for pattern. 
you know, if the pattern of your headaches changes, like you're typically someone who gets a migraine around the time of your period, you can treat it with a Motrin. And that's how things have been for many years. And now they're every day, they're lasting much longer. They don't feel the same as they used to. The character has changed. That should also alert you and your doctor to look for other causes, you know, because people that have migraine can have other conditions develop. And so you don't want to miss something uh, more dangerous. Um, and like you mentioned, typically, if you are worried about something other than a migraine going on, an MRI is a good next step. Um, it's a very detailed picture of your brain, of your head. Um, sometimes you can go a little bit lower down into your neck as well. And so typically, if you're having a headache, you're going to look in the head, in the neck, in the shoulders, and starting with an MRI is a good next step. But it really depends on what your doctor is thinking is going on. You know, if you come in and you say, I've had a headache, I've had fevers, my neck is really stiff, um, then they might think it's meningitis. And the way to diagnose that is by getting a lumbar puncture, which is getting a little bit of fluid that um, travels around our brain um, to look for infection. So some of it depends on what your doctor is thinking might be causing the headache. Um, but starting with the MRI, starting with the picture of the brain is a good next step, typically. Wow. So much great, information. Yeah, great <laughs> information though. It's great. Yeah. It's great. I, well, I'm happy you mentioned, um, you said something about like, um, having like, uh, migraines around your period or headaches yes. and, and whatnot. So let's talk about hormonal migraines. Cause I feel like sure. this is very common too. And I'm sure you see that often. Um, what is the relationship between hormones and, and headaches? Right. So hormones and is a big trigger for uh, women with migraine. So we know that okay. migraine typically, so migraine is a genetic disorder where essentially there is this interplay between your genes and the environment. So you people that have migraine, they are genetically more predispos predisposed to developing a headache if they have environmental triggers. So the way I like to think about it is it's similar to asthma, you know, people that have asthma, they have it all the time, but it's really the environment that will, you know, I guess, trigger them into an attack, either pollen or sometimes weather changes. So it's similar. Oh, wow. for people, it's similar for people that have migraine. I mean, you're going to have the genetic predisposition for migraine all the time, but if there's enough triggers in your environment, then you're going to have a migraine attack that day. And so hormones are a huge trigger for women. And it's the change in hormones that typically is the trigger. So that's why for a lot of women, the time a couple of days before they start bleeding for their menstrual cycle, mm -hmm. that is when the estrogen levels drop. And that's mm -hmm. how your body then knows to start bleeding. And that drop, the change in the estrogen is what our body picks up and becomes a trigger for your migraine. Um, something similar can happen around the time of ovulation because there is also another drop mm. in hormones at that time. Um, so some women also notice that to be a time of a trigger. And because women have this fluctuating um, hormone changes so frequently in a month, that tends to be a big trigger for women as opposed to men who have migraine. Um, 
again, changes in hormones around the time of perimenopause, menopause, Mm. that also can be a trigger for a lot of women. A lot of women find that perimenopause is a difficult time in terms of their migraines. They can worsen, um, they can become more frequent, they can become more severe and harder to treat. Um, The opposite is true during pregnancy, thankfully. Um, In the second and third trimester, your estrogen and progesterone levels are very stable. They're the same. They don't fluctuate as much. Okay. So many women that have migraine will notice that in their second and third trimester, um, they do really well. They don't have a lot of headaches. Um, that's not true for everybody. So actually some women notice that when they're pregnant, the second and third trimester, their migraines get a lot better. And this is again, because the hormone levels are very stable during this time. So there's not these fluctuations that we normally would have during the month. Um, But there are some women that still get migraines um, or have first onset of migraines during this time. So everyone's a little bit different, but um, hormones play a huge role for women, especially in migraine. You go through a lot. (laughs) It's like a never ending cycle. Yeah. You also talked about triggers and you said, you know, a lot about environmental triggers. What about food or any other types of triggers? Can you share a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. So um, I'll start with um, what we know about food because there's a lot of data, but there's not a lot of good data, unfortunately. Mm. So I have a lot of people tell me that chocolate is a trigger for them and um, or certain foods that they notice will be a trigger for them. The data surrounding food being a trigger, um, we just don't have enough studies to show certain foods are a trigger. Um, We do know that, so for women that say chocolate is a trigger for them, it's interesting. There's one or two studies and they're inconclusive. So some women actually might start to crave chocolate when they're about to get a migraine. Mm. So then they, you know, because they had the chocolate and then later developed the migraine, Mm -hmm. it's hard to know whether it was actually a trigger or a craving as part of their migraine, which is interesting. Um, There are some studies that definitely alcohol, uh, alcohol is a trigger. Um, That's been proven. Um, And caffeine. Caffeine is another one that's very controversial. Some people notice that when they already have a migraine, having a little bit of caffeine, either some coffee or soda, or even in their medication, there's some medications that have caffeine as a part of, you know, their makeup Mm -hmm. um, will help. And other women will notice that if they change the amount of caffeine that they're having. So typically there's someone who has, you know, their morning coffee and for some reason they skipped it, it will bring on a migraine. Like that. So is really that what they again, call a, is that what they call a withdrawal? Like, a- yeah, I think that's typically what we call it. Yeah. And it's really just a change. I mean, some people also notice it if they go from having just one cup of coffee to two for some, you know, like they went out, had another cup of coffee or a cappuccino. So it's again, that change, you know, for women with migraine consistency and regular routine is so important. You know, it's when we have these changes in our daily routines that that can be a trigger to the body that the homeostasis is off. So if it's a change in the amount of caffeine that you typically have, if it's a change in the amount of sleep that you had, oh, that's a good one. That can be a huge trigger. Um, if there's extra stress, you know, something new happening, a new job, something new in your life, that can be a trigger. So as much as you can, you want to try to keep everything very regular. 
you know, if you're going to sleep um, at a certain time during the weekdays, you want to keep up that pattern on the weekends as well, you know, which is hard. I mean, people want to go out, they want to do things during the weekends, but unfortunately you'll notice the next day that, you know, the effects of it um, start to kick in. So especially for like new moms, that's so hard. Yeah. 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 First you're having hormone changes when you're postpartum, Mm -hmm. then you're not getting good sleep. You're not getting any sleep. Yeah. You're probably not hydrating enough and eating enough. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a a big time for exacerbation of migraine attacks for sure. Back to what you said about alcohol. Cause I noticed for me, I can drink like a glass of wine and like in the next like five minutes, it's like, boom, I start getting, getting the pain. And so now is, what is it about alcohol? Because I've heard about like salt fire or sulfite free wines or, you know, things like that. I've tried different kinds and I haven't been able to discover one, but I do remember if you like from our live that we did like some time ago, um, we had a dietitian on who shared, she shared like the wand. There's like a wine wand that takes away all the histamines and the sulfites and the tannins and all this stuff. And that works for me. And like, I, I, I got it like instantly when she told me, I was like, I'm going to see if this actually works, but it, it has um, worked for me. You kind of just sit it in the glass of wine for like, what is it like five minutes or so? And then like, you're able to, to take it, it filters out all that stuff. Okay. But what, what is, I mean, have you heard any of your patients like using that or, I mean, what is it about alcohol and, and migraines? So I think it's, I think there's two parts to it. The first is we do think it's the sulfites and the nitrites in there mm. um, that can be a trigger because we do know that Um, sometimes a lot of patients notice, and this is again, kind of a lot of self-reporting, but nitrites, if they have like processed cheeses and meats, um, can bring on a migraine for them. And we think it's similar. It's the nitrites that are in there and the food that, you know, um, preservatives that are used, um, in the foods and similarly in alcohol, Mm. but it's also that, you know, alcohol is, uh, dehydrating. So if you're not also then drinking water, which is similar to like coffee, the caffeine is actually dehydrating, then that can be another component of that. Um, So like similar to, you know, like hangovers, a huge component of Mm. it is that you're actually dehydrated. Um, So I think it's kind of both those components. I myself um, have not heard of the wand as much. And so Mm -hmm. I haven't heard of it from patients as much. I do remember when the uh, the dietitian was on and she mentioned that. So it's interesting. I think that probably, um, you know, helps to take out some of the sulfites and the preservatives that are in there. Um, so it's not as uh, triggering. So, but that's yeah. interesting that you mentioned that, that it's helping. Yeah. And along with like just food, um, I guess let's talk about nutrients, specific nutrients. Yeah. Are there any nutrient deficiencies linked, you know, with migraines? Cause I usually hear a lot about magnesium, but tell us about magnesium. If there are any others that we should yeah. consider, what do you, um, have yeah, to so magne- there's so much buzz about magnesium. There's so much hype about it. And I tend to agree with a lot of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are a lot of studies that show that magnesium does help with migraine and it helps. So there's some studies that show that people that have migraine are magnesium deficient, Okay. but the studies show that even if you're not, magnesium is helpful. And so magnesium is a mineral that helps to stabilize your cell membranes. And again, stability and regularity is so important with patients that have migraine. So the the magnesium is helpful in that way. So we ask patients to sometimes try it, um, even if they're not deficient. And we typically don't even test to see if they are. 
um, mm-hmm. you know, we'll ask them to start magnesium as a vitamin or as a supplement. Um, there are some studies to show that vitamin D, um, mm. if you're deficient in vitamin D, that can lead to an increase in migraine. So supplementing with vitamin D, getting those levels up to normal can be helpful in decreasing headache. Um, and there's a couple of other vitamins that we used, um, vitamin B2, um, it's mm. riboflavin, as well as um, coenzyme Q10. Now coenzyme Q10 is a vitamin, is a mineral um, mm-hmm. there's only a couple of studies to show that it might be helpful in migraine, but, you know, sometimes I'll ask patients to add it on because as far as we know, there's not any side effects from it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, patients like to add it on and sometimes they like to add it on. There are, um, supplements that come where the magnesium, the riboflavin and the coenzyme Q are already in like one pill and they'll use it in combination. So the studies that we have are most robust for magnesium and then vitamin D as well. Um, but there might be some, you know, um, benefit to adding on coenzyme Q10 as well. So that's great. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, um, cause I always hear magnesium, magnesium, magnesium. I'm yeah. like, okay, is there anything else? But then I hear some people say, oh, magnesium didn't work for me, et cetera. And then there's different forms of magnesium. Yes. Does it matter what form you use? So I would say, you know, yeah, you're right. There's different forms. And basically, um, each form is, um, the difference is how bioavailable it is for you. Mm. So some of them are easily absorbed by your stomach. Some of them are not so easily absorbed. Um, and some of them also help supposedly also help with like constipation. Um, so I would say there's a few of them out there. I can certainly kind of like send you a list of them and go through them, but it can become very confusing. Um, and you're right. Sometimes one type of magnesium might not be helpful and a patient might try a different type and because their body's absorbing it better, that one is more helpful. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of confusion around that. And I think there's like very easy charts to look at. And, you know, unfortunately, sometimes it is a little bit of trial and error. You might try one type and find that it's not so helpful. You might try a different one and find that your body absorbs it better. And so it's actually affecting you and helping um, yeah. So the one that I offer to patients the most is magnesium glycinate or, okay. um, magnesium oxide. I find that those two are the easiest to absorb and easiest to find actually, um, like in CVS or GNC. I love that. My, uh, that magnesium glycinate. Yeah. Use that. yeah. Um, yeah. you, I love the, um, you did an interview recently with self. I loved watching it. I thought it was oh, really great. You, you sharing thank all you. your, your advice and tips on just, yeah. you know, migraines and helping to manage it. Um, yeah. you went into kind of treatment a little bit, talk to us about, you know, what treatment could look like. Sure. So migraine treatment is very varied. There's so many things that you can do and, there's so many different ways. And I think the best treatment of migraine is to have a multi kind of pronged approach, Mm. Um, you know, because it is such a interplay between your genetics and the environment. It's so important to have different ways to treat it. So uh, we have what we call abortive therapy, which is basically medication you take when a migraine attack is already present, it's already started. Um, typically most of the medications that we have are to treat the headache component or the pain component of your migraine, but there are some medications that might help if nausea is a huge part of your Mm -hmm. migraine. Um, if dizziness is a huge part of your migraine, we have some medications that will help with that. 
But basically acute therapy means the migraine's already started, it's already happening, and now you're trying to treat the symptoms. The other way to treat migraine is to try to prevent them or try to stop them from happening or decrease how often you're having a migraine attack. So preventive therapy can look like a lot of different things. Um, it can look like taking medications on a daily basis that are pills and vitamins can be a part of that. Like we just mentioned, magnesium, vitamin D, um, it can be injectables now that we oh. have that specifically target a molecule that is elevated in patients who have migraine, which wow. is called CGRP. And this is a recent development in the last three, four years, about five, six years now. So we're really excited that we actually found a molecule that we think is involved in causing migraine. And so the medications now block either the molecule or the receptor that the molecule binds to. And um, these are called CGRP inhibitors. They come as injections that you can do monthly. Um, they also now come as pills that you can take. Um, so that's preventive therapy. Um, and then there's what I call complementary therapy, which is, um, you know, doing things like yoga, mindfulness, um, trigger um, control. So if you know that, you know, your trigger is not sleeping enough, making sure that you're working on your sleep hygiene. Um, if your trigger is stress, working on decreasing cortisol levels that are elevated in stress with yoga, with mindfulness, with acupuncture, um, these are all kind of complementary things. And it's really about lifestyle, you know, um, measures that you can take. Um, yoga and mindfulness, there's a lot of studies now, there's a lot of evidence that it does decrease migraine frequency and severity. Um, and, you know, a lot of my patients, migraine is most prevalent in young women who are in mm. their 20s to 40s. And these are women that are thinking about getting pregnant, that might be pregnant, that are breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. So they don't want to, you know, take medications that could potentially harm their mm. baby. Right. And so doing things like yoga, mindfulness, um, good nutrition, staying hydrated. These are all really, really helpful. And the way that I like to think of it is that all these things keep your body at in balance and they right. keep your body in homeostasis. And that's what's most important for a migraine neurological system, essentially. A migraine nervous system likes mm -hmm. balance. Um, I love that. I love yeah. that. I love all this, like the holistic approach that you do have. I, yeah. Yeah. You know? I Actually, it's, it's so much of it was not taught to me in like fellowship. We focused mm. on medications, we focused mm -hmm. on the science, but when I started treating women, you know, that's what they wanted to do. And some of them already had some experience with it, or some of them wanted more education about it. Um, and the evidence is there. So in my practice, I like to do everything. I mean, there's definitely people that still need abortive therapy, you know, they, or they want to try a preventive medication, but it's so important to also make sure that you're doing all the lifestyle things as well. I mean, sleeping, um, well, and making sure you have good sleep hygiene, dealing with your stress, dealing with your mental health. Um, people that have migraine, we know anxiety and depression is a huge comorbidity. Wow. So, you know, your mind and your body are not distinct. They're all interconnected. So it's so important to think of yourself as a whole system and not separate out, you know, migraine versus my anxiety versus my stress versus my, you know, not sleeping well. It's all connected. 
Can you guys just see why I had to bring back Dr. Sheik? She's so amazing <laughs> and is full yes. of gems. And I'm so grateful that you came and oh. join, you know, to join us today on the show to, to talk a little bit more about this. And so as we are wrapping things up, there's one question I love to ask all of our guests that, you okay. know, I bring on to the show. And that is, how do you flourish? Oh, that's a great question. So I think we just talked about this. And the way that I love to flourish is to do my mindfulness uh, exercises every morning. Um, and, you know, take at least some time in the week um, to focus on myself and take care of myself. And whether that means, you know, enjoying um, a, a yoga session where I can do in peace alone, or, you know, having a cup of coffee with a friend that I haven't talked to in a while, something really that I am mindful of and take the time to, you know, just um, take some time for myself. So, well, thank you again, once again, for joining us. I love that. I love that a lot. <laughs> and we will definitely put your information in the show notes so everyone okay. can keep up with you. But thank you so much. And you'll have to come back again. Yes, I would love to. There's so much to talk about still. I know, I know. We had to do <laughs> yeah. a part two. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Dr. Thank Sheik. you. Thanks for having me. It was great talking to you. You as well. Oh my goodness, such good information was shared today. If you loved all the info we talked about, please, please leave five stars and a review, especially if you're tuning in on Apple. Send our episode to a migraine or headache sufferer. Guys, we are on the way to episode 50, so hold on tight. We have more incredible special guests coming to the Flourish Heights podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll catch you next time. And until then, keep flourishing. 